Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Vayetze Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Vayetze. The topic of our Aliyah is the birth of the tribes. And our Aliyah is 31 Psukim. It is, um, uh, has a lot of discussion about the marriage and the birth of those tribes. Let's take a look at the summary and then we'll look at some basic points to ponder. So we hear that Yaakov loves Rachel and he says to Lavon that I would like to work seven years for Rachel, for Rachel, your youngest daughter. Lavon says, you know what, it's good to, to, to let her marry you rather than to let her marry anybody else. You can stay with me. Sounds, sounds like a sort of a backhanded compliment. Um, and Yaakov does. He works for her seven years, but it was Kiyamimachadim. It was like singular days for him. It was when he, because of his love for her. So Yaakov, uh, Yaakov then at the end of the seven years asks to marry um, Rachel, and uh, Lavan creates a whole feast and he gathers all the townsfolk together. But in the evening, at the end of the wedding, he switches Rachel and out and he puts Leah in. And, um, and, uh, and we hear that the next morning when he wakes up, it's Leah. He's very upset. How could you do this? How could you switch this? Uh, Yaakov asks Lavan. Lavan says, That's not the practice in our places to give the younger one in front of the older one. But you know what? Finish this weekend. You know, you can uh, you, you can work with me another seven years and you can uh, you, you, you'll be able to also have the hand of, of Leah and Rachel together. We also hear that he gives, Lavan gives his daughter um, Leia, her maidservant Zilpa, and at this point in time, Yaakov Avinu does do this. He finishes this Shavua, and he marries Rachel as well. So he has two wives, and Rachel, uh, Rachel is accompanied by her maidservant Bilha as her shifra. We then hear about in terms of the relationship of Yaakov Enra and Rachel, we hear that he loves Rachel. Me Leah more than Leah, and uh, he goes and he, he works for this next seven years for Rachel. But Hashem sees that Leah is Sanua, she is hated, and Hashem allows her to have children and Rachel not to have children. So we hear about the first child of, of Leah, and she calls his name Reuven because Hashem sees Ra'a Hashem Wani, Hashem sees my suffering. The second child is called Shimon. The reason she calls him Shimon is because it says, uh, she says that Hashem. Um, Shama Hashem okay, Hashem hears that I am in I, I am hated. Then she has a third child, and this child she says, Apam ishi elai, and my husband will now accompany me, he'll spend time with me because I've given him three boys. And there, that's why his name was called Levi. Notice that it's Yaakov calling him Levi, almost as if he intuits or overhears or understands her intention as well. Finally, she has a fourth child, and she says, Hashem. This time I will thank Hashem, and she calls his name Yehuda, and she stops having children for this period in time. Rachel uh, sees that she's not successful in having children, and she turns to her husband Yaakov, and she says, Give me children, if not, I am dead. I, I, I am going to not be alive. Yaakov gets angry at Rachel and says, Am I in the place of God? Can, am I the one who withheld children from you? And at this point in time, she offers him her maidservant Bilha, and almost as a surrogate mother, similar kind of thing that Sarah did with Hagar. And in fact, she does become pregnant and has a, a, a son, which she calls 
um, um, done because Hashem has judged me. She felt that she had been vindicated. Then she has the, the next child, which is which she calls Naftali because of Naftulei Elohim Niftalti. Complicated word to translate, but we'll stick right now with for prayer and connection that uh, Hashem has allowed this connection to happen. And Leah then sees that she can't have children. She does a similar thing. She offers Zilpa, her maidservant, to Yaakov, and she who becomes a surrogate mother essentially for her two children, which is Bogod. The happiness has come. She calls him God. And the, the, the second one's name is Osher, which also means happiness. Also positive names as well. A lot of things to think about in this aliyah. Far too long just for our short time together, but a few basics to, to think about. So first of all, why the seven years? Why does Yaakov offer the price of seven years for the hand in marriage? So the Svarana says is because he had nothing. He came with his stick across the river. That's it. So he needed time to build up his own money to be able to support his family and to pay the dowry. Rachel Makarish says, you'll notice by Yaakov Avinu that in fact he always sublimates himself seven times over. When he bows to Esav in Pashas Vayishlach, he bows seven times. Now he works for seven days, seven years for Rachel and seven years for Leah. Um, it, it's a pattern of being like the Evet Ivri. He's he's patterning it after the notion of servitude, which is this extended period of up to seven years, and he does one more than that for Lavan as well. What does it mean that his days felt like singular Yamim Achadim? So Svarna points out that he felt that he owed a higher da- a dowry than in fact he was getting. So he felt like a lucky person. He felt that he was blessed by only having seven years worth of work for Rachel, which is why it's Yamim Achadim. And he says, Ava Mekalkeles Esashura. Love will put put aside a person's otherwise other concerns it may be difficult it may be long but for him it wasn't long at all um now did Yaakov know that he was to be tricked? So it seems that yes, because Rashi points out when he explains to Lavan the terms of marriage, he says, I want to work Rachel Bitcha Haktana, Rachel, your younger daughter. Rashi goes on to explain that he's trying to avoid any ambiguities, any way that Lavan could perhaps you know misread or misinterpret his request. In fact, this has become an idiom in Judaism today. When you want to say something has to be ex- explicit, you say Rachel Bitcha Haktana, these words of Yaakov as well. Similarly, we also see that Yaakov had Simanim, which he gave Rachel, as well, indicating that he really knew that there was something which could be a, um, a foul. How de, could he not know it was Rachel? So Rashi says, because the, those Simanim, which he and Rachel had created together, Rachel handed over in sympathy to her sister, so her sister would not be embarrassed. And so the, so everything seemed to go like clockwork. The Orach Amakarish also points out that in, in Judaism, there, um, there's a halachic and machshavic requirement that when couples are together, it's in a dark area. It's not something which is about, about body or body awareness or desire. It's a, it's a much more spiritual connection. And so in that context, Yaakov, did not know um, that, that night. Um, it, it is worthwhile asking also the following question is, is what was the excuse that Lavon made for this? Can you, how, how would he, what, what would he possibly defend himself? He seems so righteous, self-righteous. So one of my teachers, Rav Avraham Rivlin, um, explained a very important thing that um, uh, that he uses a different language than used beforehand. Up till now, the the description of Rachel and Leah has been Katana and Gedola, the bigger and the the littler of the two sisters. He, he uses a different language. He says he uses the word Seira and Bechira. The word Bechira actually is the female version of the word Bechor, firstborn. And the words he says is, It's not the way to do it in our place. To, to give the younger one in front of the Bechor. And what he's really saying is, this is a jab at Yaakov Avinu. What he's saying is, is, in our place, 
the rule is that younger children don't take the firstborn right of their elders, unlike you. Maybe in your place, you think that the younger one can take the Bechorah like you took from Esav, but we don't do that. And ultimately, that accusation disarms Yaakov because how can he respond to that? Ultimately, Arulavan is saying, I know your trickery. I know what happened to you. You can't claim to me that you deserve greater justice than perhaps it was that that was deserving of yourself as well. Um, why, why did he ask to wait seven days? So Chazal say that we here learn from here an interesting halacha called Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Basimcha. We don't mix two Simchas together. This is the Sheva Brachos for Leah. We cannot have another wedding during those Sheva Brachos, and this is where the halacha is learned. The, the Ramban says perhaps it could also be that Lavan was playing around and saying, well, you didn't really finish the seven years. So finish the, the seven years now, and then you can you can start working seven years again. So it's one of the, 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 the many times that Lavan starts switching the terms of, of, of employment as well. Now the question is, what does it mean that Leah was hated? Hated? That's a very strong word to use, especially about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu hated Leah? So Rav Hirsch says, it's, uh, it's important to notice that it says, Vayar Hashem kisnu that Hashem saw that she was hated. Meaning, this was something that was so subtle, yes, very painful, but it was so subtle that, Leah, that Hashem was the only being on this earth who could notice that Leah was in such a position. Yaakov outwardly was very loving and very caring for her, but it was only Hashem who could see that there was something still missing as well, and Leah felt that, even as subtle as it was. Radak pointed out that it wasn't about hate. It was about love and less love. Yaakov loved Rachel. That's who he had chosen to be his wife. He also loved Leah, but he didn't love her quite as much. And when it comes to love and when it comes to competitive love in the, in the state of polygamy and bigamy in this particular case, it's a zero-sum game. And Leah felt that her lack of the same amount of love was in fact hate as well. Now, question is, why is it that, that she, why is it that she called her fourth son Thanksgiving? Um, that's Yehuda, Pamodeus Hashem. What happened before now? So it's interesting that the Midrash to, to make this, this to, to deepen this, the Gomorrah Brachos on Zainu and Bez appears in the Midrash as well, quoting Rishim by Yochai, that this is the first time in humanity, human history, that anybody had thanked Hashem, which seems a little strange. No one, <laughs> no one had thanked Hashem. Adam, Chava, Noah, Chanach, Avraham, Sarah, Rivka, Yitzhak, no, no one had said it, nobody had, had said thank you to Hashem. So it is, it's interesting. What does this mean? So two, there's two very interesting approaches. Yeah, many approaches, but two that we're going to think about. One is the Maram Shik, or of Moshe Shik, who says that um, it's actually a question. It's a rhetorical question. Leah had four kids, and she says she says to herself, you know what? Hapama des Hashem. She asks herself, is it only now that I'm going to thank Hashem? My, my whole life, my whole life, I have so much to be thankful for. I have so many good things in my life. Hapama des Hashem. Is it only going to be this time? And she used Yehuda as a reminder that every moment that she was given, she was healthy. She she, she had children. She had she, she had sustenance. Everything is is worth thank, Thanksgiving, and that's what that's what Yehuda was teaching her as well. A second approach, of Soloveitchik makes the point of saying on this, and that is that for the first three children, if you think about it, are very painful names. They're all about her suffering, her hatedness, her maybe her husband will help. It's nebach. It's it's sad to to hear. It's painful to hear every time she says it. And, and perhaps what happens is that after the fourth child, she realizes that her situation is not changing. She realizes that her life is not going to be the life she dreamed of. It's not the one she wrote to her diary when she was a little girl. It's going to be different. But even though it's going to be different, it's worth thanking. And that was the first time in human history that thanks, thanks was given in this way, whether it be like the Maram Sheikh, an idea that she realized that every moment was worth thanking, not just the big moments. And Yehuda was that example of that. Or whether it be that even in a state where it wasn't as imagined, it wasn't quite the dream and fairy tale that she had, she had told herself that, that it was still worth thanking. And this is the first time in history this had happened. 
Another question, why is Rachel blaming Yaakov at the end over here? Saratskin, Saratskin suggests that before the flood, what happened was is that men used to marry two wives, one for beauty and one for children. And, they would, and the, 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 the first couple would keep themselves from having children, and it would just be a relationship of pleasure. Rachel, in her jealousy of her sister, is turning to Leah and, say, and, Leah and saying, uh, that perhaps uh, to to Yaakov and saying perhaps you're just keeping me for for that form of relationship. This is the twistedness of what jealousy can do to a person. Says Rav Saratskin as well. Rav Rav Berlin says in the Torah that he says that she realized that she was the wife, the primary wife. She realized that she was the primary wife. She knew that Yaakov needed to have children through her. If it wasn't happening, it's Yaakov's problem, not hers. And that's why she says, you have to give me children. It's for your sake. You're not doing enough." Now, it is a very strong statement. Why could she make such a strong statement? It's very strong. Chizkoni points out that she knew that by, by Nevoah that she, there was going to be 12 tribes to Yaakov, and she knew that there was going to be four wives, which means that each one of them would really have three children. When she saw that Leah had one more, that's when it just it was just too much for her. She realized that she'd really been overlooked over here. The Kunjus Chibri Yisera of Henken, Henken points out a very beautiful thing, and that is, is that... Um, you can't get jealous of somebody who's in pain. Up till now, Leah had been in pain. Each of the first three children were an expression of what was missing in her life. Her first, fourth child was an expression of how she had come to terms with it and how happy she was. When Rachel saw that Leah was happy, that's when the pain kicked in as well. Just a very interesting perspective. Rashi goes on to say that when a person is without children, God forbid, the pain of that experience, certainly when there are those around one who are of, of similar place and stage in life, are having children can be so painful it can feel like death. And the Ramban says that in fact she felt to a certain degree that it is suicidal, she felt that, that it wasn't worth living. And this level of depth of distress distress she felt would cause Yaakov to, to strengthen his tefillos on their behalf that they should have children because although it may be true he has children through Leah, but do you care enough about me, Rachel says to Davin, so desperately on my behalf as well. And Yaakov was angry because he says, it's not in my control whether my tefillos are accepted or not. It is interesting to note that the Ramban points out that Yaakov was punished for this. It was, um, that Yaakov was, this was seen as an inappropriate response to a person in a deep state of pain. Yes, Yaakov was technically right in the fact that he did not have control. It was unfair of her expectation. But he needed to have offered her more empathy in this particular case. Then they're getting angry with her for this inappropriate request. With this, we close a very complex and very painful annihilating Ali at the same time. In the meantime, a wonderful, meaningful.